Welcome to the Young Businessmen of Tulsa podcast. I'm your host, Evan Uitake, and I'm so excited that you've tuned in. Here at the Young Businessmen of Tulsa, our mission is focused on connecting, developing, and inspiring young business leaders to find and pursue their passion. This podcast is sponsored by Trost Marketing. Promoting your business through marketing is essential for growth. Without marketing, you lack the ability to create a conversation with your potential customers. At Trost Marketing, we provide marketing solutions that fuel growth. We are your source for all of your printing needs, as well as branded apparel and promotional items. If your business wants to stand out to potential customers, contact the marketing experts at Trost Marketing. Visit us at trostmarketing.com or call us at 866-492-7820. Young businessmen, welcome to podcast number three of the Young Businessmen of Tulsa podcast. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for subscribing. If you haven't subscribed, please make sure that you do so. That just helps us get the word out to that many more people. It helps us in the rankings and everything else. So I, I want to thank you in advance for, for supporting us and, and helping us launch this thing. Uh, I'm your host, Evan Yutaki. I'm really excited uh, to kind of share with you uh, my conversation with Sean Copeland. I just finished my conversation with him and I'm really excited to present to you uh, kind of his thoughts on passion, about being passionate about what you're doing and finding your passion, uh, and then also uh, his his thoughts on on failure, overcoming failure, and uh, kind of getting getting through those parts of your life that uh, are difficult. And so he's got a lot of really good things to share with you. And so I'm excited to bring it to you. Uh, if you don't know anything about Sean, Sean is the chairman and CEO of Regent Bank. He's a small business owner, an investor, and a popular author and speaker. Copeland has authored three best-selling books, including 12 Life Lessons Every Graduate Should Know, The Priority Promise, and his most recent, The Abundance Mentality, an Amazon.com bestseller. So let's go ahead and turn it over to Sean. First of all, Sean, thank you for coming. Thank you for being a part of this, and thank you for speaking to our group. Sure, my pleasure. Now, rumor has it that I was the best speaker ever. At a event. I mean, I'm not saying that, but that's the feedback I'm hearing in the community. Is that true, Evan? Do you think that's I, true? I think when you speak things into existence, they happen. So <laughs> at, at this point, I'm, I'm just going to agree with you. That was, yeah. that was a great, great little I'm keynote there. What a great crowd. I, I enjoyed it very much. Fantastic. Well, uh, one of the things that I, I really, and this is because I know you, but uh, one of the things that I wanted to kind of discuss with you is in you had actually messaged me at about 5.15 that morning for the actual meeting uh, that you had a lot of different things going on. And uh, I just want to give some people like a window behind the scenes of, of Sean Copeland's schedule because I know, I know you're the king of the schedule. So kind of give me a peek behind the curtain. What, what, is, it, what is it like uh, to have the kind of schedule that you have and how do you balance that? You know, that's a good question. I, you know, it has evolved over time. It's something that I'm always working on. I think prioritization is critical. It is, it is very important that we focus on the most important thing that we have to do at that moment. And it may not even have anything to do with work. It may have to do with our family, someone that needs us. Um, and so it's an, it's an ongoing uh, battle, to be honest, uh, with you, uh, with me, but uh, I'll just kind of give you a few standards that I use. <clears throat> One is I start, at, I start very early. Um, I start every day at 4 o'clock. 
Um, I love that time. It's the time when I can get my quiet time in. I don't feel rushed. I don't feel like I'm, you know, trying to hurry through my time with God. And it's very special. Uh, I also obviously try to get in a workout and try to get organized for the day. Those are the really the three things that I'm trying to do uh, in the morning. I have to have all that wrapped up by uh, 6.30. As I have three little munchkins getting up at that time, and uh, one of my roles at home is getting breakfast uh, for them and getting them out of bed and kind of getting them uh, going, and so then uh, the day is off. As far as uh, a work day goes for me, you know, it, it, it's, it's balancing between several roles that I have within the organization. So I try to meet with uh, all of my direct reports on at least a biweekly basis, uh, some on a weekly basis uh, for 30 minutes. We don't have long me meetings. We try to make them very efficient and uh, get done what we need to get done. Um, I block I block time for various events during the week, and so I have time set aside for uh, investor relations. We have 130 shareholders in the bank. I have time set aside for marketing strategy with uh, Brandon and I. I have time set aside for uh, prospecting. I spend quite a bit of time bringing new business into the bank. Um, part of the reason we were uh, late today is we had $20 million in new loan requests, and that's always uh, fun. And, and pretty much all those were uh, relationships of mine that I was able to bring in, so that's cool. Um, you know, I have I, uh, set aside time for uh, VIP clients. So I spend uh, about two hours a week reaching out to our top clients, making sure they're doing uh, well. And then you factor in, you know, just kind of, I have time set aside a couple of hours a week just for people that are uh, seeking advice or guidance. You know, I'm, I love when somebody uh, reaches out and many of your young businessmen have done this and said, hey, you know, I've got a problem or I've got a question. You know, do you have a few minutes? And I love to do that, but you can't do that all the time, you know, or you don't get your actual uh, job done. And so, uh, we last thing I would say is we um, we practice we use a, a management operating system called Traction uh, within our bank, which I highly recommend. Uh, our executive team meets every other week uh, to hold each other accountable for certain strategic priorities. Uh, we meet once uh, every quarter. Uh, for a one-day offsite, and then we have a two-day annual planning meeting, so that keeps us all uh, going. And then probably the most important thing that I do is that every night from 6.30 to 9.30, I stop working. I shut off the cell phone. Nobody can reach me during those times. That's when I uh, spend time with the kids and my wife at the end of the day um, at 9.30, uh, they are all typically asleep, including uh, my wife, most of the time on the couch. And then I will dig back in and maybe do some end-of-day emails. I like to look at new deals. We invest in a lot of stuff, and I usually do that till about 11. Um, I don't need a lot of sleep. I'm about a five-hour uh, a night person. And so that's kind of, that's kind of uh, what my typical day looks like. Um, so that's I awesome. hope that's helpful. <laughs> no, it is, and, and I, I purposely brought that up because um, I had the uh, the fortune to uh, kind of 
be mentored by you for a while. And I'm sure that there's probably a whole other conversation about this whole schedule thing, but I just want some people to kind of see, you know, when you get to this level, when you get to the level of what Sean's doing, just the amount of planning that it takes, and it's not impossible to do, but one of the things that you really told me that I, I definitely want to touch on before we, we move on is, is, is saying no. And uh, I think that, you know, that time that you set aside when you get home and you turn your cell phone off, that's essentially you saying no to everything else. And the importance of, yes, you do need to say yes to a lot of things and you need to prioritize those things, but also the importance of saying no, because at some point, if you just keep putting things off, that time's just always going to keep coming back and you're going to have to either say no eventually, or you're going to have to uh, just keep putting people off, which it doesn't necessarily help anybody when you do that. So uh, I just wanted to touch on that because I, I love it when you talk about that stuff. I always get something out of that. But, uh, you know, thank you for, uh, again, making the time for us. Hopefully we're, we're a part of that, that group of people that you're talking about that sometimes sure. gets the yeses. So I'm, I'm enjoying that part. But one of the things that you talked about in your, your keynote when you were talking to the group was how you became a banker. And I thought that was a fantastic story. We, we love stories. We love how people kind of get to either where they are. And, and I think part of it is uh, circumstances. And I, I believe I kind of feel like that's what it was for you. But I, I, I got to ask the question, like if, if there wasn't a banker sitting there, let's say it was a lawyer or a petroleum engineer, is, would Sean Copeland be a completely different person? Or do you believe that uh, you would eventually found yourself to banking at some point? And that's actually an extremely good question. Um, as you recall, I really got into banking just by chance, and um, it proved to really be the perfect fit because what I've learned about myself over time is that I, first and foremost, really love people. I love helping them achieve their goals, and I just love the relationships. I mean, selfishly, um, I love having hundreds of people out there that I'm, in essence, business partners with, you know, and we're working together. That's really where I, where my juice get flowing. I also really like numbers. I, I like them really on a strategic level and I like watching them grow and and um, so the, the two uh, really collided perfectly uh, here. Um, if, if Bruce Benbrook, the banker, hadn't been sitting next to me at that dinner, I would admit that the chances are I probably would not be in banking. Um, it's a little, it's proven to be a tremendous advantage uh, but as uh, you can probably see, I'm a little different than most <laughs> bankers. I'm not really the typical uh, banker. Uh, most of them are, and and you and it really works better when you are more conservative uh, in nature and more risk averse. You know, banks function on a one percent profit margin, so you need to be really careful. If you make very many bad loans, you go out of business. Uh, frankly, if you make five percent of your loans that are bad, you go out of business. Wow. So I have to surround myself with risk-averse people. So the way we function is I, I do a lot of marketing and business development, but I got a lot of people that function on the quality side of the client relationship, and they can tell me no. Uh, we just had loan committee, as I mentioned, and there are five people on that committee, and they can vote no on the request that I bring in. Now, I... Uh, adamantly fight for those people, you know, 
and I tell why I believe uh, these are good clients and why I think we should do the loan. But if at the end of the day, it's those people's job to make an independent analysis. And so if they vote no, we don't do the deal. I don't have any veto right. Uh, for years, this was an ego challenge for me, you know, because people would say, well, we turned down a deal. And I would tell the client we couldn't do it. And they would go, well, I, I thought you were the guy, you know, I thought you were the CEO. And I thought you had more power than this. And I, and I tell everybody, I put these um, structures into place to protect me uh, from myself. So if, if I wasn't in uh, banking, I would probably be in more of a private equity you know, role, more of an investment banking role where I'm raising equity for companies. I do that a lot now as a side uh, business at, uh, here at the bank. I can't accept any money for it. It's just an, uh, something that we offer. So that's, that's probably what I would be doing uh, as uh, uh, Brandon's here with me. And as he knows, I love marketing and strategy. So I would probably be doing something around strategic planning uh, for other companies and, you know, maybe some consulting. I, I'm not sure. But I'm, I'm real happy with what I'm doing. <laughs> well, I, I, I feel like you're in the right role. I feel, I feel like it kind of worked out for you. And I, I know Brandon's probably nodding his head back there, too, just agreeing with you. So, But one, I, I think there's a lot that I can kind of go into there. But I really want to get onto this stuff because you said something um, – in your in your message to us, you talked about passion and being passionate about things. And I, I right now, just listening to you talk, feel like you're passionate about what you do. I mean, if anyone was in that room, I, I think that walking out of it, they, they knew that Sean Copeland was passionate about banking and passionate about helping other people. And the, the, the thing that you were talking about was you were talking, uh, I think the guy's name was BC, and you said you noticed that he wasn't passionate about what he was doing. And I, and I love the fact that you hit on that point because I think that there may be some people listening to this today that aren't necessarily passionate about uh, about what they're doing right now. And I think that passion is, like if you're passionate about something, the work is easier, uh, you can be more effective. I actually came across a quote that I really like. It says, one person with, one person with passion is better than 40 people merely interested. And I think that when you uh, when you look at somebody with passion, and or if you're building a team, if you can find those right people that are passionate about that, you can be so much more effective. And so, I, w I would ask you, what is your recommendation for somebody who's trying to identify what he or she is passionate about, and what is what does passion look like uh, to you? It's another fantastic question, and and I have always said I I think the three greatest gifts that God has given me in my life are. Uh, my salvation, my family, and the fact that I get to uh, get up in the morning and do what I love every day. And I know that's very rare, and I do not take it for granted, and it is, a, it is awesome. Um, I, think part of, I think part of passion, uh, figuring out something that you're passionate about, is uh, you just got to try things. You know, I think I think uh, there are clearly uh, personality tests that you can take. You know, there are um, all types of resources that uh, can quote unquote match you up with the right um, uh, industry or the right company. But I think a lot of it is, um, you know, I've spent a lot of time over the years in prayer about uh, kind of God's direction for my life. And what I, what I ultimately learned was that what I'm really passionate about is um, leadership and growth. 
you know, banking again is a is a funnel uh, for that. It's a it's a platform that I can use. But what I really really enjoy is uh, watching our employees um, get get. Uh, pumped up about something and watching them grow and watching them develop and I just see it before my own eyes I mean I just cannot tell you if you go back eight years when when we purchased Regent Bank to today that the level of skill and excitement that I see uh, around this place today is there's no comparison and that is where it's at I mean when you get we had our bankwide employee training day on Monday the same day that I spoke to to your group, and at, and we were able to give a really cool reward to everybody at the end for some uh, goals that we had set, and I was able to share uh, with them a different speech from what I shared with you all, and to get feedback from them on the difference that you make in their lives, that is it. It, it just, I mean, that is my. I even posted this on Facebook. That day to me was God showing me a glimpse of heaven on this earth. It was wow. that good for me. It just it was just indescribable. So I think we all just have to find uh you know what what um makes us tick. And and I am a firm believer a lot of people uh look down on those that switch jobs and careers. Uh I do not. I am a firm believer that you just need to keep on trying until you find something that that you are passionate about. And and the one thing I would say to your listeners that I think is critically important, I almost made a mistake one time and left uh, banking because I was working for an individual that I really struggled with. We didn't share the same uh, core values. There wasn't. We did not have a high trust relationship. And I... Uh, had actually applied and was going to go back and get my doctorate and teach at the university level, oh, which wow. I think, which I think would have been fun. I just don't think I could have had the impact, you know, that I am able to have here. And so I almost left the the industry. Well, come to find out, it wasn't the industry at all. It was just that particular organization that I wasn't a fit for. So I think it's important to remember you need to be a fit in two ways. You need to you know, be a fit in the industry that you're working in and make sure that fits with your um, skills and, and values and you know, what makes you tick. But also uh, you need to make sure you're working for the right company. And if that company doesn't appreciate you, you know, and doesn't value what you bring to the table, I say go to another company. Uh, you only live once, and so it doesn't make sense to me to sit there and struggle through decades of you know a miserable job existence just so you can live for the weekend and maybe retirement someday. That's not the way God intended for us to be. That's awesome. Well, uh, hopefully we don't have everybody that's listening to this podcast quitting their jobs, but uh, I do. <laughs> Take care of your family too, yeah. by the way. But no, I, I, I do love the quote where you said you, you felt like that day was a glimpse of heaven. And I think if we were kind of, if I were to try to summarize kind of what you're, what you were trying to say there was, you know, if you're doing something and you feel like that's what you were designed to do, that's what your purpose uh, is in life. They say that uh, passion reveals your purpose. And, and I think that you hit it right on the head saying, you know, that's, that's what heaven looks like to me. And uh, you know, I, I'm sure that there's people out there that haven't seen that yet, but I want to encourage them to know that that is possible. It, it is possible to have a career or have a job that you're so passionate about it that 
you don't feel like you're working. And I, I've listened to other people talk about that whole topic of like, do what you love and you'll never work a day in your life. And so I, and I've heard both sides of it. I, I don't want to go too far into that, uh, that logic, but uh, I, I believe that it is possible. I believe that it is something that can be done. And I think that, that you're walking uh, proof of that. Um, one of the things that I do want to uh, touch on though is, is, is you, you kind of talked about a really big struggle that you had when you first took over Regent Bank. Uh, you talked about, it was, I think it was April, 2008, right before the, the housing crash. You had just signed the documents. You had just uh, got the bank. I'm sure you were like high-fiving everybody like early April and just say, Hey, we did it. You know, right. we've raised all this money. Like we're going to, we're going to go conquer the world. And then uh, you, you almost stepped Stepped yeah, through that, that door and then the that ground fell out. About thirty minutes. That <laughs> lasted about thirty minutes. Yes. Well, I, I know we've been talking about passion, and so I, I kind of a, a, have a two-part question. One, uh, when that situation happened, do you believe that it was your passion for banking, or, or did you have the passion for banking at that time to carry you through those ten months, or do you think it was just the uh, I gotta I gotta help the people that have invested, and it was just sheer survival that got you through that? And and then the second thing is you you kind of talked about um, just that feeling of failure where you felt like uh, you were just you were gonna have to reach out to those people and tell them, hey. I, uh, I, I'm doing a horrible job. I need more money, but I think we can get through it. Uh, what would you say to people who are feeling those pressures of potential failure to kind of help get them uh, past that? And, and, and my next question, we're going to kind of talk about some things that happened there. But, you know, A, uh, did the passion get you through? And B, what would you say to somebody who's struggling right now that was in kind of that situation that you were in, maybe it was May, June or July of 2008, uh, to kind of help get them to that next level? I, I love this topic because this was a life-changing experience for me. I had never been through uh, such a tremendous uh, challenge uh, as I was back at that time. Um, here's what I would say. First and foremost, uh, uh, God does not um, uh, commit to us that life is going to be a, a continuous incline. He never says that. In fact, he says you can count on challenges which create perseverance, which create character, and, and prepare us for eternal life. So, so first and foremost, if you're going through it, uh, unfortunately, it is a part of life. Um, I, I'll tell you where I had a really changing moment, and that is uh, I'm in a discipleship group, and uh, there were about 12 or 13 guys. This was back at that, this was back in the, at that time, and we went around the table, and everybody talked about the time in their life when they were closest to God, and it was during the toughest times of their life. And so I think it's very important to remember that this too uh, shall pass, but this is a time when you can learn more about yourself than all of the good times combined. I learned more during that two-year time frame. Uh, I also aged more during that two-year time frame, but I learned more during that time than I have at any other point in my career. And I also learned more personally uh, than at any other point in my life. So hang in there. God has made us very resilient. Um, we can overcome things that we do not feel are possible, and we will learn things and grow during that period of time. As it pertains to somebody that might be um, on the brink of uh, quote-unquote failure or struggling right now, 
I, this happens to be the message that I shared with my staff um, after uh, I spoke to your crew. And this was going to be the topic that I was going to use at your crew till uh, God, he did a 180 on me. So let me, <laughs> just, let me just tell you this. Uh, I think it's critical that we redefine failure. Critical. Um, uh, I, I asked our staff this, and that is, who defines failure? And um, I, I think that we look at it as so final, and I tried something and it didn't work out. Oh, my gosh, I'm a failure. When I began to do some research for the speech that I gave to my team, I was shocked by the number of significant people in our history that have undergone uh, substantial failure. And if you'll go, I believe it's famousfailures.com. And if you, you might check me on that, uh, Evan, but I believe if, if you will go look at this website, you will see that almost everyone that has had any significant impact has also gone through significant failure. Um, it's amazing. So I would say this, it is part of life. Take every day, one day at a time. My best uh, advice was given to me by my friend Gordon Greer, and he said uh, he went through the 80s and survived in banking, and he's kind of my uh, banking mentor and idol. And he said, Sean, the way I got through is I looked, at, I looked at myself in the mirror every day when I was walking out the door, and I told myself, Gordon, do the best you can do today. And when I came back in at the end of the day, I looked in that same mirror and asked myself, did I do my best? And if the answer was yes, that's all you can do. Do your best. Leave the rest in God's hands. Um, it's not the end of the world. Uh, things will turn around. And we learn more during these times than any other times uh, in our life. That's awesome. That's awesome. That's awesome. That's awesome. That's awesome. One of the things that you kind of touched on was uh, leaving it in God's hands. I, you just you just kind of said that, and I think that leads perfectly into the last question that I have for you is, is you know, when that whole thing was happening, you kind of got to that point where you just said, God, this is yours. Like, I've done everything that I can do. I've, I've, I've tried. I've, you know, planned. I've done, I've done everything that I can think to do. And you finally just raised your hands and said, you know what, this is yours now, you know, th and, and. And part of me just, you know, on, on the sidelines, like, well, why didn't you do that in the first place? Right. But, <laughs> but right. Uh, uh, you know, one of the things that we've been learning a lot about or I've been learning a lot about is, uh, you know, having having God kind of uh, run the business in terms of like we're a steward. We're not actually the ones necessarily responsible for our success. Uh, God puts us in these positions to be a steward in those situations and make, uh, you know, manage his stuff as opposed to it being us as the person uh, who has gone and, and done everything, it's, it's really kind of up to him. And so you kind of got to that point where you're like, okay, God, this is you now. This, I, I've, I've done all I can do. I can't do any more. You just have to take over. And what I, what I, what I want to ask you is what was or, or what changed in your faith or your mindset when you finally got that call from the U.S. Treasury? Because you had talked about you were uh, – you were ready to send those letters out and essentially accept failure. And then that phone call came in and it potentially changed everything. But I think it changed everything for the bank. But my question is, what did it change for you in terms of your walk with God and your faith in terms of giving the business to him uh, at that point? 
Yeah, yeah, it, it changed my whole life. Uh, that moment, you know, you know how if you think back over your life, there are certain moments that are just uh, pivotal. You know, they're the they're the stones that um, uh, God speaks about in the, the the cornerstones that God speaks about in the Bible, and um, that was mine. I really uh, like you. I had had this tremendous run, and I had lived this very charmed life where everything seemed to work out. I was always overpromoted. You know, I kind of bluffed my way through much of my career. I mean, it was... Yeah, you're reading my mail a little too much here. (laughs) I mean, you know, and so when I was hit with a situation that I could not uh, work out of, in all honesty, it was devastating. I mean, uh, my answer was work harder, work harder, work harder. That had always worked for me before. But I mean, I was working 20 hours a day. And as I have mentioned to some friends before, I was I was so stressed out at that time. I was actually skinny, which has <laughs> never, which has and never will happen again in my entire existence. And so, I mean, it was, and, and when that, when I, kind of turned it over to him, which I literally had no other option. It wasn't, this isn't uh, magnanimous on my part. This wasn't my faith. This wasn't anything, but I was literally spent. I mean, and and things were spiraling out of control, and I honestly was literally giving up. And uh, when I turned it over to God, that was the first time I had ever done anything like that um, in my life. And so for him, within 48 hours, to come through with a life-saving solution for me. Because I'm not, I'm not even certain. I, I spoke about sending out the letters to our investors. I was just hoping they would invest. I mean, there was a very good chance. If you'll recall, back in 08 and 09, I mean, it was a very scary time. And so I think it's very possible that they wouldn't have invested and we would have just lost the bank and I would have lost millions of dollars and so would all of my uh, shareholders and so uh, not to mention just the guilt I I felt by bringing them into the deal and so when he came through for me I saw the power of God I mean I was able to witness the power of God I had a similar experience in a on a mission trip uh, this summer in Brazil where I got to see healings and um, things that I had just never been um, exposed to where I saw the power of God. And I, and I think that the message that I would love to share with your listeners along this point is I think we are comfortable with God's grace. You know, we have to be uh, when none of us are perfect. I think we are uh, largely comfortable with God's love. You know, I mean, he gave his son for us. And so clearly he loves us a whole lot. But I don't think that we fully understand God's power. Um, He can do anything. And um, I witnessed that. And so I will never again in my life limit God's power in my life. Never. I will never look at a situation. If I feel like he's calling me to do it, I will do it. Because I now see that he can do anything. And he, he, he totally changed my life, uh, what he has done since um, 
has been uh, remarkable, far beyond what I could have ever dreamed as a farm boy in Beggs, Oklahoma. And so I, I just think we need to tap into that power more. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, Sean, I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and close on this. Thank you again for, for taking the time to sit down with us, uh, you know, talking about your passion, talking about uh, really understanding God's power. I, I hope that our listeners really have the opportunity to really tune in to some of the things that you said and, and probably listen to this uh, multiple times because there's just so much content in there that uh, I think if you really kind of dig into some of those different uh, concepts that it'll it'll be that much more powerful uh, for you as a listener. So, Sean, thank you for, for taking the time uh, and thank you for, for uh, spending time with our group. I'm going to put a little plug in there. Uh, I, I think there's so much more that we could go into. So I would love, uh, you know, later on down the line to have you come back and, and kind of develop some of these things more. So I'll float that one out there. But, but beyond that, you know, is there anything else that you'd like to say to the people listening today? Well, uh, the only thing I would say is that if you want to see firsthand the product of uh, passion and God's power, you ought to go to one of these YBT meetings. Because I want to say that I was with these guys when there was just three of them, and they were just talking about it and uh, discussing the idea. And there wasn't a soul that would have believed that they would have hundreds of people um, crammed into a room and, and giving back to the uh, community and on the news. And I mean, these are young business people. I mean, these guys are just getting started out. And so all of a sudden, I mean, you're looking at, they're making an impact that senior level business people have not made their entire career. So I want to commend you guys. It's the real deal. And I'm very proud of you. And I, I wish you the best. So and I'm happy to, to jump on with you anytime. Well, I'm glad this is an audio podcast because you can't see my eyes tearing up. But thank you for your kind words, John. You're and welcome. Uh, thank you for joining us. Young businessmen, thank you for listening. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast. And if you'd like to learn more about the young businessmen of Tulsa, check out our website at www.ybtok.com or email us at ybtoklahoma at gmail.com. If you live in the Tulsa area and would like to hear one of our great speakers live at our monthly luncheon, we meet on the second Monday of every month from 12 to 1 p.m. Like us on Facebook for details about locations and upcoming speakers. Lastly, if you like what you hear, please leave us a review on iTunes and share us with your friends. Thank you for tuning in to the Young Businessmen of Tulsa podcast, where we connect, develop, and inspire young businessmen to find and pursue their purpose.